This episode of the Event Industry News Podcast is sponsored by Evolution Dome, award-winning temporary inflatable event structures. Take a look at their structures at evolutiondome.com. Hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's podcast from. Never more apt an introduction than when I welcome an overseas guest who's on a completely different time zone, uh, particularly one who's probably got up and uh, had to get their brain really going first thing on a Monday morning to, to, to have the intense conversation that we know takes place on this particular podcast. Um, I'm delighted to say that joining us as our guest today for the first time to the event industry news podcast from C2 uh, over in Montreal is the Vice President of Growth and Partnerships, Jesse Gaynor. Jesse, a very warm welcome to the event industry news podcast thanks james appreciate you having me and uh yeah uh, as you said uh, i uh, i had to wake up the brain this 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 monday morning so uh so this this conversation is brought to you by the third cup of coffee today <laughs> yeah but happy, very happy to be here as i near the end of my working day over in the uk and start contemplating the, the colder type beverages that we may enjoy at this time of year with uh, with with the lesser spotted sunshine that we've got in the UK uh, at the moment. Um, blessed with a decent run of good weather at the moment. Jesse, great to meet you. You and I were talking off air um, before we hit record and, and, and started today's um, podcast. And, and you did all those sort of things that people do is it turned off all the Slack channels before we started recording. So it's not buzzing. But, you know, C2, you, you know, you're, 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 you're a, a, a busy um, I, I, I use the word agency, but agency to me sometimes feels like too loose a term sometimes to describe what people do. So let's throw it over to you. Before we get into the conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself, about C2 and what it is that you do over in Montreal. Sure. And James, I love that you said that because I, I, I catch myself sometimes when people ask for the TLDR version of what C2 <laughs> is, um, using the word agency and feeling that it's a little bit incomplete. Now, I'm, of course, I'm a little biased. I like what we do, and I think what we do is really cool. But uh, I think agency might be the easiest term for people to understand. But the uh, the the history. So uh, uh, C2 is best known for our flagship event, which actually just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago in 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 Montreal. It's called C2 Montreal. It's Canada's leading creative business summit. Uh, we are doing our. We just wrapped our twelfth edition, um, and that was. Uh, the reason C2 exists as a company is because of this event, which was started mm -hmm. actually out of a partnership between the ad agency Sidley uh, and Cirque du Soleil as a response wow. to the 2008 financial crisis to say, okay, guys, we have to figure out some way to restart the economy to a certain extent. Yeah. And the thinking between Cirque du Soleil and, and Sidley, which are two kind of iconic Montreal brands, was let's bring the world together here to shine a light on the creative economy of Montreal and use that as a jumping off point to talk about the future of, of business and industry and all these sort of topics. And what if we brought like the, the world together from, for a business summit that was, was, that didn't suck, right? Like how do we make this wildly creative and kind of show off our, our thought process through this with the idea that if you give people the, a really great context for conversations, right? Mm -hmm. That will actually drive business outcomes. You are going to get people who normally would not meet to meet in interesting ways, and that's going to lead to good stuff. Um, thankfully, that uh, that idea bore fruit, uh, and it's grown over year over year. I mean, uh, we regularly welcome, you know, thousands of people for a three-day event uh, in Montreal, and we've brought uh, amazing speakers from all over the world. Uh, we, we, you know, I can go in. I don't want to take up all this podcast doing the like we are C two thing, but 
that's that event. But anyway, so the agency came out of that event because brands would attend and say, wow, you know, this is, this is quite cool. Our events don't look anything like this. And our events, we're struggling as a brand to figure out how to bring our people together, how to bring our clients together, how to do that in a way also that uh, is that tells a unique story about our brand that actually achieves objectives. And you guys seem to have an opinion on this. And we originally, people started to knock on our door and say, hey, can you come to our events? Our first answer was, no, we're busy. We have this thing that we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we run our own. We can't do yeah. that. But there was enough people that that kept happening enough that we realized that, that we or we liked to think that we had uh, there was a need in the marketplace for our type of thinking about how to approach business convening. And so the, the C2 agency was was really born, our C2 studio. And so now we've taken that philosophy that we have around how we approach designing experiences uh, to brands all over the world. I'm, we've done events now in 24 different cities uh, around, the, around the world for a whole bunch of different brands and a whole bunch of different size of events, everything from the big things like C2 with thousands of people to experiences for you know a few hundred people. And now we're, uh, and we'll talk about it later, but now we're growing that to just think about what are the different extensions of that philosophy and how it can help you know how do how do we extend that into different lines of business so uh that was a very long answer to your question but that's no it's, it's but it but, but it's good because it gives context to, to what you do who you are uh, how, how things are born and and even though um we've got jesse on the podcast today to talk sort of i say specifically about the concept that you know hybrid events don't really exist anymore because of what you just said you're looking at all of these new directions and avenues and where can we push stuff out to and how can we link that to that and that to that and all these different things but I'm always hesitant to be tied to a particular podcast topic or title when great opportunities for conversation open up and and so one thing that I wanted to sort of come straight back to you about following your little explanation there was C2 Montreal being an event for creatives now that you work with other clients helping to deliver their events that core business of, of C2 Montreal for the creative industries, I'm guessing that that, ba that basically gives you access to a lot of different creative industries that could then potentially play a role in the other events that you're helping to, to, to deliver the clients that you're working with. I'm talking things like music, you know, art, design, video, animation. I, I guess all those sort of elements play a part in, in C2 Montreal. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think that's the wonderful thing about our community at C2 Montreal is that while it, it does bring together some of the, the, the really the, the, the superstars of uh, Montreal's creative economy, we also have uh, the key decision, or most of our audience are key decision makers from um, traditionally not very creative industries, right? It's from the business community who are looking to understand this world and how to leverage it, right? And so for us, it's this wonderful laboratory uh, that kind of informs our thinking because we bring, it's not just our opinion and uh, staying in that narrow lane. We look at this as this great opportunity to not only experiment with our audience, but then allow and be informed by all, all that is new that is happening from both the creative economy, but then the world of business. And that just continues to make sure because if, if we're claiming that and our, our, our promise to our clients is like, hey, we're kind of thinking about the future of how we bring people together. That means we can't do it the same time every year. We have to be thinking of new ideas. We have to be going out there and getting inspired. And so that's, you know, it's kind of the lovely thing about our, our event is that we kind of built this ecosystem that that kind of feeds us a little bit. Absolutely. And and 
I mean, getting on to, to, to what we know we're loosely defining as the topic and the title of, of today's episode, which is, you know, this, this concept that certainly to you guys, that, that a hybrid event does, doesn't exist anymore. You know, when I think back to an in-person event, then we had uh, iMag cameras. So we put cameras in so we could show, you know, live, you know, a close up of somebody delivering a session on a big screen. And then the technology developed. We're like, wow, we could live stream this. Right. Let's live stream it. Then you know fast forward we had a pandemic right okay well we can do it online now so we could maybe do some virtual events online and then in-person events came back and suddenly we had the hybrid event came about and i don't know where you sit now but are you are you of the opinion now that really the hybrid event doesn't exist because every event has some sort of element now that ties two worlds together yeah I, it's such i i, I love it I love the title that we, that you used for this podcast, right? Because I think it is a, um, you know, I think it's provocative to say that it doesn't exist anymore. But I think our our thinking is very is very specific to us, um, and I may have a very particular opinion about it, uh, formed by uh, the movie Jurassic Park, uh, because I like where this that, is going already. I like where this uh, is going already. So there's a line, and I'm paraphrasing here. Um, where they, they say, you know, and I think it was, it was, um, uh, forget the character now. Oh man. Um, you, you spent so much time thinking about what you can do as opposed to what you should do. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. and, and I think the pandemic accelerated the production of a lot of very interesting and amazing technology that allows us to connect. But in a lot of cases, what happened was, is that in that hurry up and panic mode, I think we all went through and it was, it was important was we had to figure out we had all these events we were doing, we have to get them online, right? We have to keep them, right? We don't want to just not do them. We have to bring our people together. Um, and I think, you know, if I think of our history, we did that. We did, did everything that we experiment with work. Absolutely not. We made a whole bunch of really stupid mistakes when it came to like how we implement that stuff, but we worked at it, right? Like we, we like the industry went through that and we got our people together. Um, but then, uh, similar to the Jurassic Polk, uh, Park quote, there was a person in the events industry, her name's Dana Paik, really brilliant event thinker. Um, and she said something to me at a, at a, at a meeting once, with, which was, uh, because we were having that conversation about hybrid, right? It's like, okay, now that events are coming back, how do we have an event where you have a simultaneous digital experience with, uh, with an in-person experience? And she looked at me and she said, yeah, but why do you need to do that? And I think it's a really important question because it doesn't mean that that doesn't exist, no, that you don't have to do that. I think our point is really taking the time to think about why you are going to do those experiences because I think what we all know is that um, you, the experience that people want on site is fundamentally different than what they want visually. <laughs> and that seems yeah. like a very simple concept, but there still is this idea is that we have to do these things. We have to offer content without really doing the deep work of understanding what an audience wants. And the other thing that's important about that is, first is, what is the difference between an on-site audience and your online audience, right, generally? But then also understanding when you are designing events that not every on-site audience is the same. They don't have all the same needs, wants, desires. And to also be smart to understand that your the digital version of that audience is not, they're not ubiquitous. Now, the digital audience for an event is not the same for depending on the community, the people you're, so you have to really understand what do people want to get out for that. And so in the context of C2 Montreal, so for our own flagship event, what we realized is that for us and what our audience wants is not to try to reproduce uh, some digital version of the, uh, 
of, of a lot of the sort of collaborative methodologies or interesting brainstorming or some of the wild stuff yeah, we do there yeah. that we can't, the only way, and, and to be honest, the only way we would be able to reproduce that, right, is to invest an insane amount of money, right, in, <laughs> in tech that's right there. And it's possible. But what we realize is that's not what our audience necessarily wants. If they're going to do the in-person stuff, they want it or for that collaborative stuff. They want it. They want to do that in person. And what they want digitally for us is to capture the great content moments that they can access when they want. They're not necessarily want. Uh, we offer it live. We offer some live streaming, and then we make sure that we have this deep uh, uh, well of great video on demand content. And what we 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 uh, what we've noticed is that is the way that people want to engage with that event now. Of course, our thinking is 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 has to adapt. When we work with other clients, we realize that we can say like, "Oh yeah, you know, our audience is like this, so your audience is going to be like this," and that's a mistake. The first goal that we always take when we think about how do we design an event is is doing that deep work to understand the audience and what the needs are and what they're looking yeah. for, and yeah. then we build that concept. So, <clears throat> I think when I t my approach to this question of like hybrid doesn't exist is I really like to attack this idea of, okay, if we're doing an event, it has to have an online component, it has to be live, it has to be this way, just because you need to. And I, I just, I, I think it's such a mistake to think that way. The caveat I will put on it is that even though we've pushed now back into the uh, in-person, and there's such a desire, I think, in all of the events we're seeing where people are really, there's a value for this in-person connection, is... I my hope is that we don't stop thinking about the real applications of how you do digital correctly because I mm -hmm. think there is a there's an uh, as we start to design events uh, and one of the big topics now is inclusivity right and we think yep. about events for uh, for example uh, 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 people who are neurodivergent for example right yeah uh, absolutely. I think it's crucial that we not just let the digital stuff die on the vine, because if we're thinking about that community or a lot of other communities and how they connect, interact, experience content, that having those tools be good tools for the right audience is really, really important. Um, so I, it's a lot of rambling. And you're, you're, I, well, no, but, no, but I, I suppose what, what springs to mind and, and not, not to dumb it down at all, but it's the old adage of horses for courses you know not not every event is going to have the same list of requirements or the same boxes that you check you know it, it is audience specific that's what we're in the business of delivering is 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 content that's relevant and tuned you know and refined for the audience to which it's being delivered and i remember a great example given to me by an uncle who is retired now but spent his entire career working at the high end of sort of men's tailoring you know, and, 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 and men's clothing and some of the trade shows that he used to go to in, in Cologne, in Germany and in Milan, in Northern Italy, that they would, there'd be cloth buying uh, expos where all the cloth manufacturers that the, 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 the tailoring houses and the suit manufacturers would use, you know, they go and source their cloths from these shows. You can't do, you could, there would no, be no way that they would be able to deliver that type of event via any sort of hybrid means because you it, it's tangible it's hands-on they're going there to touch to feel to see what these things are like and and to me it might be an extreme example but it is an example of how you know we can't just say right we run events so now we we have to have a hybrid element element we have to have an online uh uh sort of um matchmaking and and and, and meeting place for people to to go together 
I think maybe with it, with all the buzz and 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 the panic of the the pandemic, we were caught up in this thinking that we have to have these online platforms. And I think now we really, really just have to take a step back again and think, actually, who are the clients that we're serving? You know, have they got the capability of interacting with these platforms? That's it. And 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 do they want to? Right. I mean, I think, and I I don't I. Uh... I, like you, James, love to take conversations that are supposed to start one way and go in completely different directions. So apologies if this does that. But to me, the conversation we're having is very, it feels very similar to the conversation we've had over the last year of like what happened to the metaverse, right? Um, <laughs> a whole bunch of tech that I think does have a lot of promise, right? But again, so many early applications that seem to just say like, we can do this, we can get everybody together, we can do that. And then without stopping to say, okay, but does someone want to shop in a Walmart on their phone that way, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Do we have an answer for that? Like, I, it feels like, and similarly, right? I, uh, you said it before, it really comes down to just understanding, like, what are people, how, what are the experiences that are precious to people in the, in the mode they're, they're in? what are they what's the value proposition to them and are we being uh are we being honest about delivering a great experience to them right so if you can answer those questions truthfully then that helps guide the principles about what the experience look like well, well again you know i i'm 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 taking it on a tangent a little bit but hopefully the analogy makes sense you know you think about the great chefs running great restaurants you know why do what why, why do you know uh fish and meat and, and vegetable and fruit markets still exist you know big huge trade market and i think of somewhere like billingsgate in london you know and borough market you know you go there at four in the morning four thirty in the morning there are people from the professional kitchens and the, and the the great restaurants in 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 the great cities and they're there in london buying the produce they want to be hands-on with it they they could easily go on amazon fresh now and order stuff delivered directly to the back door of the restaurant but that you know, because of what they do and the quality that they want to ensure, they they have to go in a more traditional route. And I think it's unlikely that will ever change while we have restaurants. And it, it might be a strange sort of tangent to take us on, but it, it's an analogy that I've used before to describe why people still want to. They could do a lot of stuff digitally. You know, you and I having this meeting face to face now. But if you offered me the chance to come to Montreal and sit and have a beer with you at a bar and have this same conversation, I know which one I'd choose in a heartbeat. Well, I think anyone in our industry like knows this at our core, right? is that at the value at, at what do we do, right? We convene people and there is a primal universal truth about humanity, I think, without getting too uh, mm. metaphysical on you where we just, we wanna be in the same space as people, right? And there's nothing like as much as technology has allowed us to come close to, faci to, to facilitating those meetings like we're doing today, um, there is there is nothing that reproduces these in-person moments, right? The serendipity of the conversations you have in the hallway at an event, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, 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 that, that sort of spark, that create these moments of sparks, right? Um, it, it, as much as digital can help uh, uh, widen our, our, our scope of events, allow a lot more access, uh, I think we all understand that like for, for many people, that, that it's irreplaceable, that kind of opportunity to connect in person mm -hmm. i'd love to take the opportunity while i may uh, if i may while we've got you on the podcast today to ask from an operational point of view i, I spoke to a lot of event organizers you know about the delivery and the strategies behind delivering an event that has a digital element as well as an in-person element and how more and more um companies were 
seeing the value and, and in fact the need to have almost two separate teams working collaboratively um, and the mistake that some organisations made in trying to run a digital element of their existing in-person event and do it with the same team of people. How, how have you split it in your own organisation um, in terms of the responsibility and how those two different elements work? With the oh, we, we absolutely made that mistake. We made that mistake early on, right? Um, and uh, uh, thinking, you know, I think navigating... Uh, that uh, I, I think like a lot of event companies uh, who went that route, the thinking is correct because you're thinking, okay, I wanna be able to deliver an experience that seems cohesive and all is based on the same sort of language and that there's a narrative red thread through all of these pieces. So I don't wanna split these things, right? Cause I don't wanna feel incongruent. But then it's also understanding where your expertise is as an organization, right? Um, and at C2, I mean, we do produce a lot of amazing events and we produce globally, um, but we're not, you know, we're not a thousand people, right? Um, and honestly, I think early on, and, and this is just, again, maybe my uneducated opinion and just from looking at the industry over the, the course of the pandemic is that very early on, there was a level of, accept it was acceptable if your digital was a little bit messy because everybody was just hustling now, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's now such a level of sophistication in the tools that do exist that it behooves us to work with great partners to be able to deliver that experience, right? So making sure that either you have a dedicated team internally or you work with a fantastic partner, right? Who you can, who you can work with to be able to make sure that the tone and experience and all that stuff lives up to your brand values, but that they have the expertise to be able to execute that program so that your on-person team, right? At C2, that's where our, our DNA is, is from, can really concentrate on the things that they're best at doing without trying to shoehorn their expertise into a world that they, they don't know how to do. I, I, yeah. I'm a, uh, uh, I am also a fan of, 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 wild, of analogies. Uh, I think it's because I'm a dad now, so I, it's tied into my <laughs> love of dad jokes. But like, I think we spent a lot of time as an organization trying to like build the hammer we were going to use to build events. And at some point we realized like, we are not a hammer company, right? We don't, we can use them. We're very good at using, them, but we do not need to build the hammer. There are companies out there with a uh, uh, hundred times more developing talent than we have internally for digital tools. Let's partner with them. Uh, and and so that's, that's really the way that we now look, move, move forward is, C2's focus as an organization is really on that in-person experience. We now have a number of really key partners that we work with when we have uh, 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 events or clients that really need uh, more advanced digital capabilities for their events. Yeah, and that, that that's value that I've seen and learned and, and, and struggled with sometimes actually, because you know the, the responsibility that I have in shows that I work on and I will reference event, event Tech Live on this, is that, you know, I I do feel like I need to know and understand how the technology works that we're utilising, you know, whether that be on the show floor or or the digital element of it, excuse me, but sometimes I put myself under too much pressure to actually make that stuff work on site, for example, myself, you know, whereas more and more we're actually working with the partners and with the suppliers of those elements of technology um, who are very very proactive and whose support has been invaluable at the actual live event itself in saying I I've said to them can you make your platform work can you work with the 
AV company to get that plugged into a screen and get it up working. And they go, yeah, great. Leave it to us. If the proverbial hit the fan, I could probably jump on and get it to work myself, <clears throat> but they could do it in a quarter of the time. Yeah. And it, 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 to me, I think it's just the same as any great partner <laughs> relationship or great vendor relationship, right? Is, is, um, like any product, whether it's an AV company or F and B or whatever is, uh, it all comes down to trust, right? If you find those great partners who you know deliver great experience, but not only deliver great product, but in the example you just gave there too, it's the seamlessness of the the the, the service level and the understanding that they're event people too, right? Because you what you want in that tech partner is a company that's that understands the tech but also mm -hmm. understands our reality, which is that things on event day just break, right? It's not, an, it's, not a, it's not an if, it's a when, and that they have the capacity from a service capability to know that you're gonna come up to them and be like, I need this to connect to AV in 45 seconds uh, and have them say, yes, James, no worries, we've got this because so that you can not have a heart attack in a room somewhere else. Yeah, and one, one thing and I learned from working with, um, with the North American market for, for the first time, you know, in the last year or so, um, and the first event that I've worked on in, in, in North America, it, it is the ability to identify new opportunities for sponsorship is, is it, it, not necessarily way ahead of the European market, but, you know, that the, there are great, you know, you, you guys utilize great opportunities for, for sponsorship and, 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 and sort of marketing um, uh, support there. And one thing that we learned, I think from, from, hybrid events if we if we continue to use that phrase and these new sort of digital avenues that we're able to to deploy within our events and new sponsorship opportunities and and revenue streams as well um and presumably that's something that 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 you've been able to sort of utilize and and, and capitalize on working with your own clients but also with your own event well that's james it's a really interesting question right because it, it does it did open up for us as we moved into the pandemic, we had to think about, especially for our flagship, right? Because uh, C2 Montreal, that wing of our business is actually a nonprofit, but it's funded by a number of different things from public partnerships, uh, uh, donations, but then also private partnerships and sponsorship, right? And ticket sales. Uh, a lot of our sponsorship revenue, right? In the pre-pandemic days was tied into one of, the, at that time, there were kind of two major focuses there. One was, uh, uh, branding and sort of, 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 of saying like, you know, this, this session brought to you by, but a huge part of our revenue was hosting, right? So because, uh, you know, the, the thing about C2 is that, you know, uh, is uh, the, the Quebec and Canadian business community comes together. Uh, so there's a real incentive for companies to have a presence on site because there's this opportunity to meet new people, do business, sure. or yeah. to be able to host your existing clients during this amazing event. So we would, a lot of sponsorship opportunities tied to that. When you move to digital, that doesn't really exist anymore. So we had to rethink like how we were sponsoring that. And so we did, we had, we or how we were going to drive sponsorship revenue in a digital, in, in a digital environment. And while we did come up with a number of tools to do that, um, we also learned a lot by a lot of the mistakes that we made. Um, one of them, that I, I, I think, and I wouldn't call it a mistake, but necessarily it was a good learning moment for us is that we were thinking about, okay, how do we, how do we deliver value for our clients in a digital space? And one of those things was outside of just slapping a logo on that, right? Is like, let's, we're content creators, right? Like, you know, this is digital content, 
So how do we think about, about building out a larger digital content package for clients as part of their, their presence on stage? Because let's say if they have a speaker that's there, they're only going to be on this digital event for like, you know, 45 minutes on stage. How do we amplify that presence? Uh, and so our marketing team kind of spooled up around, uh, you know, publishing, you know, doing additional video interviews, uh, publishing content, uh, uh, like writing blog articles, creating all of this additional supplementary content that could kind of give a long tail to a person's presence at a digital event. Mm -hmm. uh, and while this actually proved pretty successful for us for a number of our digital ex extensions, one of the things it necessitates is you actually have to build up almost an editorial team, right? And so yeah. that becomes, unless you're willing to sustain that and also become a publisher where you're producing that sort of editorial content on a regular basis, you can't have a situation where 80% of the content that you produce and publish in some form is brought to you by sponsors because an audience simply gets oversaturated by that. And if you're trying to re 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 repurpose some of your, your revenue, right? And saying, okay, I've got to fit this block. Uh, it's valuable, but as soon as you hit a certain touch point, right? You start to come up against damaging the brand. So we realized like this just could not be our modeling, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it does, I think digital opens up these new opportunities, but like in anything with sponsorship, right? And I think this is, this goes across, uh, uh, it, it bridges the gap between digital and, and, and physical is um, great events know how to integrate sponsors in a way that respects the intelligence of the audience, right? And actually ties into the story. Because I think we're moving outside, look, and there are still many events where a trade show setup makes a ton of sense and that's what it's there for. But in a thought leadership events, let's say, or corporate events where sponsors are going to be there, um, that world is evolving, right? Mm -hmm. Audiences want more, brands want more, they want something different than I, I'm at a, I'm at a, I'm like, again, outside of a trade show where it's, I put my logo on something or I have a guy sitting in a booth. We have to be more creative than that. And so similarly with digital, it's about thinking as an event organizer, like what sponsorship opportunities can I build that are like super duper creative, but answer your needs as a, like, why are you going to give me money for this? Right? Like, how yep. is this actually yep. these goals? And then more, but then the tie-in is how do I do this in a way that does not make my audience go like, Oh God, that's awful. Right. How do I make them go? This is interesting. Okay. Yes. I know it's brought to me by this brand, but this is actually an experience I want to engage with. It's cool. It's interesting. Right. So that's always, I mean, that's, that's not new thinking, but to me, like we do a lot of thinking, especially at C2 Montreal about how, we take a lot of, of precaution to integrate brands in a way that is that is uh, in line with our brand. And it's actually our value proposition to sponsors, which is you don't want to come to C2 Montreal and be the brand that's got your logo slapped up and that you've got your booth there because you're going to look stupid, right? Like that's just <laughs> not, that's, uh, you know, let us help you make this cool, right? And our audience will love you for that, right? Because you're going to feel super C2. So you're not going to be able to like, have the car on the trade show and do the thing, but uh, ultimately, you're going to come away feeling part of this experience, right? And I think well, digitally, we have to do that too. Well, well that, that, that's that's the whole conversation then about the extension of, of the, the, the the live event now and on demand content, post event content, etc., etc., etc. You know, when when our events were tied into being an annual two or three day event people would walk in through the doors uh, and they wouldn't see your brand again until the following year and i'm going back you know pre-digital i'm going back to the to the to the era of the trade publication you know the trade magazine we know when they you know they, they ruled in the b2b world you know you wanted your brand as a sponsor slapped everywhere in the hall because that was your opportunity once a year to get your brand in front of everybody and be the headline sponsor. 
the reality is now is that far more people will access the on-demand content post an event you know than than actually probably walk through the door of it during the two or three days that it was open so where are the bigger opportunities now for people to engage where are the more creative opportunities is it it's probably in the digital space it's probably in you know video it's probably in a three or four second ident that runs before you know the 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 the, the session video or the on demand content that you're going to access from the event you know that there are so we do have to think differently about this particularly when it comes to things like headline sponsorship i think we have to identify how how people are actually going to access the content and when they're going to access it yeah and what is the value of that brand engagement right uh and and that's always a really tricky thing to be able to answer right uh um but i think it, it really just comes down to to that is 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 um uh, this is I, I i may be uh leapfrogging from your question into something else here but um uh, the oh god now i now it's, it's left my brain what were we talking about that's right so Sponsorship, how it, that's it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Most of the times, uh, that's right. It's still, it's still Monday morning. This coffee's hitting. We're getting there. Uh, <laughs> is a lot of times the thinking from a sponsor's perspective, or even sometimes when we're designing event, is that there's a limited thinking around what success parameters look like. And that mm. comes down to like, is this event successful? What's my, how does this layer up to the set? So, did people have a good time? Was uh, all, you know, did we see enough people on the floor as a sponsor? Like, did enough people engage with my brand? That's great. Um, and those are important things. But I think the lens, the broad lens we try to think about when we're coaching our clients about how they design their events or how we're going to approach it or how sponsors have to approach it is the broader view of how does this execution layer up into my larger marketing objectives, right? Is if people sometimes think of events as, as, as sort of its own thing. But it's part of a plan. It's part of a business and a business that's trying to make money somehow, right? So if we think about those objectives as part of a, like a, a moment of peak engagement along a larger timeline that has to connect to some other points as opposed to this thing that lives in absentia, you can be a little bit smarter about how you're thinking you're engaging with that audience in a right way um, so that you're not just going, okay, I have to make, and hopefully like this is tough because it, 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 uh, it means your leadership is going to be open to a whole bunch of like, broader thinking about like, okay you know, how many pairs of pants did i sell at this event today right but <laughs> if you can get broader there then you can be really smart you can be a little smarter about how that how you're spending your dollars that way yeah no I, I, absolutely um, i always know it's a great episode of the podcast when i haven't looked at the clock once and i've, <laughs> and I've just glanced down and i've seen 34 minutes and i've thought wow right we, we, we need we need we need to start um unfortunately wrapping things up and it's always unfortunate like i said when i haven't looked at the clock and the conversation has just gone in in that direction um but, but before we get to the end of time today jesse um really really important that uh, i give you the opportunity to to allow people to get in touch with you because we've touched on so many different things here that what i always like the podcast to do is serve almost like an, as an appetizer um to, to a main course so that anybody listening and tuning into the episode they want to follow up directly with the guests that we've had on here you know it shouldn't just be about listening to this and getting everything that they want out of out of the guest you know let, let's follow it up so if people want to track you down jesse if people want to find out what c2 are up to give us anywhere where people can go to 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 find out about you okay awesome thanks james i really appreciate that so um like all of my answers this one will be long-winded and that's why this podcast is done for 34 minutes because <laughs> I, have I won't do brevity uh so easy first thing uh c2montreal.com uh that's the website of our flagship event you can get in touch with us there 
we will be, we do have, our studio business does have a website. Uh, it's c2international.com. We're, uh, that is kind of under construction as we're going through a bit of a rebrand for our studio. So uh, you can get there, you can get through us there. You'll see a little bit of examples of our work, but I want to, we'll have a bigger upgrade. Uh, if you want to hit us on Twitter, you can at C2Montreal. That's our handle for, for everything. Everything comes under the flagship. Uh, and uh, I don't know if, if I, I, I love to talk to people. So if people want to reach out to me directly, I'm happy to like share my email in the, in the show notes or whatever. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm your guy. And, and I'm pretty sure you're, you're on LinkedIn. So, you know, if, if people want to sort of track you down on LinkedIn oh, and connect yeah. on there, let's, uh, if you want to continue the conversation, then, you know, you don't need me to tell you guys, you know, you're all, you're all sensible people. You're working in the, in the event sector. You'll all have a, a level of ingenuity and, and, and hacks available. So if you want to track Jesse uh, down, then you absolutely will be able to do so. I know I did before today's episode. Um, and uh, yeah, we, 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 we've had some, some good conversations off the air as well as on the air today. Um, my thanks to, to my guest today, Jesse Gain, the vice president of growth and partnerships at C2 Montreal, and at C2 as a, as a sort of an entity, we're going to stop using the word agency because it means nothing. <laughs> means nothing anymore um yeah it's it, it been, been great speech and a few little plugs um before we wrap up today for our own bits and pieces that are going on um and it's you know it's a blatant hijack of our own podcast here to say You're that sure, um, we're going to direct people towards event sustainability live um regular podcast uh listeners and followers will know about event tech live our flagship event that we've been running now for 10 years this year which will be returning to excel in london on the 15th and 16th of november and again in Las Vegas next year. But alongside Event Tech Live in London this year, we're launching a brand new show called Event Sustainability Live that does exactly what it says on the tin. Sustainability is a huge topic of conversation, not just in the UK, the European, but in the global events market at the moment. Sustainability plays a key role in how we're planning and delivering and executing our events. And Event Sustainability Live in London will be the show and the conference to go to if you work in the events industry and you want to explore and research and find out more about how you can develop your own sustainability practices then please do check out event sustainability live um, just google it you'll find all the information the website social media handles etc and it's on the 15th and 16th of november this year at excel in london and finally a reminder to anybody listening to this podcast on your podcast audio platform to head over to eventindustrynews.com check out the latest news features special supplements the a to z supplier directory that's on event industry news if you work in the industry and you are looking for a supplier a partner a piece of technology or a service chances are you will find it within the a to z supplier directory on event industry news Com. If you're already watching today's podcast on that very website, hello to you. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to go in the opposite direction. Search the Event Industry News podcast wherever you get your podcast from and make sure you subscribe so that you get all of the latest episodes as they drop. Jesse, it's been great to meet you. Thanks so much. And, uh, you know, if, if finances allow, then I, I stand by my word. I would much rather come over to Montreal and have a beer with you than, than, than do this virtually. But for the time being, this is the way that we communicate. And it's been great to do so. Really love it, James. Appreciate the opportunity to chat today. Uh, super good conversation. With you. Uh, similarly, this could go for, I feel like you and I could talk about this stuff for like a couple more hours. So let's do that. Uh, if you you know come to Montreal, I'll come see you one of these days and we'll, we'll keep it going. Fantastic. That brings us neatly and nicely to the end of today's episode. Uh, huge appreciation to everybody who listens to and follows the podcast on a regular basis. And we'll see you on the next edition of the Event Industry News podcast. Goodbye, everybody.